Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And what's up? Welcome in GC Live. It is Wednesday as the week and the season rolls along. South Carolina getting ready for this matchup with Georgia. As always, this show, this episode brought to you by our friend Clint Hammond of Movement Mortgage, clinthammond.com. 803-422-6797 is the way to directly get in touch with Clint. Check out more information on Clint, about Clint, and everything he can do for you if you're in the market for a home by just heading on over to ClintHammond.com, again, at Movement Mortgage here in Columbia, but pretty much wherever you are in the state of South Carolina, he can help you out. Uh, Got some folks already in the chat. Hope y'all are doing well. I feel like Wednesdays may be one of the slower ones. Chris, Monday's big because everybody wants to talk about the game. Friday number's pretty big because everybody wants to talk about the next game. Wednesday, a little bit slower, I feel like. But we still got some folks in here. What's up to Greg? What's up, Ben? Give us your thoughts on the game, and we will try to share them here on the video and, and maybe on the audio version as well. South Carolina coordinators talking today. Of course, uh, you had Dow Log and Chad Clayton White talking about the Georgia Bulldogs. Chris, the floor is yours. Take it wherever you want. What was your first biggest takeaway from what we heard today? Yeah, I think something Dow Loggins, again, um, mixture of philosophical and practical, which I loved. And um, I actually, Wes even though it's a Wednesday, maybe maybe the folks are not as engaged. I'm engaged. I have notes today. I have made a couple notes on uh, Dowell Loggins and Clayton White with what they talked about. Um, he pointed out something that's pretty obvious, but nonetheless had me thinking, and, and it's something I wanted to point out, and that is, you know, when you play a team like Georgia, what do you always think of with Georgia – you always think of a really good defense. And typically, Wes, if you're going to ask somebody, South Carolina fan, really anybody who's a college football fan, they're going to say Georgia is defense and running backs, right? That Now, they certainly have some great running backs, but what we've seen for them in kind of this new era of college football, they're also really good and really explosive offensively when you look at what Stetson Bennett did there, the numbers they put up through the air, brought Bowers, et cetera, et cetera. But the thing that has not really changed from the best Georgia teams when Mark Rick was there, when they've had success, you always think of Georgia's defense, right? Well, Kirby Smart took that and kind of uh, – well, this is going to be bad terminology, but he kind of put that on steroids, frankly. Not in a literal sense – we don't need that on the wall, too, Kirby. We we don't. Kirby's probably watching the show to get a scouting report. 
I'm not no, saying some, someone will be asking that planted question. <laughs> hey, the Gamecock coach, boy said you yeah, were right. the, Yeah, yeah, coach. There was a Gamecock fanboy reporter who said that you had roided up the players. No, but he, what I mean is that Kirby he took, supercharged it. Yes, that's a much better word. Like he took that identity and really supercharged it. Uh, whatever cliche or like euphemism you want to use. And we were going over those stats today, Wes, on the GC Takeover Hour 107.5 the game. Like, what was it in, in 2021? What was it? 12, 12 points a game or something like that, 14 points a game. They've been in that range the past couple of years. Now, I'm getting to the point here. Point is, when you play Georgia, the reason that they're so difficult to play, A, they've got a ton of talent every single year. Um, I was doing some research on Georgia's average recruiting rankings the last several years. The lowest ranked class that Kirby Smart had was, I think, 11th. That was in 2016. He's always been in the top three, the top five. Uh, he's had more than one number one class. So they are loaded with talent. But also, unfortunately for all their opponents, they happen to be well-coached as well. They run – Dow Loggins even uh, – mentioned today Wes everything that you see in the NFL on defense guys who are doing this for a living playing football you see Georgia do they have a very expansive playbook they ask a lot of their guys and then they typically have guys that produce they can go do those things and they can do them at a high level so you'll see Wes some teams where you you look at the defense and you'll say that defense is really well coached You'll see some teams on defense, you say, man, they got some guys that they got some big D linemen. They're really fast. With Georgia, it's, it's usually both of those things. It has been under Kirby Smart. You've got a group of guys who are really good. They're about the right stuff. They're super, super talented, but they're also well coached and they present a lot to you. So, as a player, as a coach, when you're game planning, you're not only game planning against, man, how are we going to, you know, slow these guys down athletically. How are we going to beat them athletically? You also have to be prepared for the litany of things that they're going to throw at you from a schematic standpoint, right? And so I will finish up with this point. It got me thinking about the 2010 Alabama-South Carolina game, right? And what did we see in that game? We saw some great one-on-one plays from South Carolina, but schematically, they were able to do some things that caused some bust in Nick Saban's defense. And when you do a lot defensively, that does, Wes, create more opportunities for bust. Now, Georgia doesn't bust a lot of plays. And if they do, they're good enough to make up for it. But in kind of listening to Loggins talk about that today, it got me thinking in my mind two things. Number one, it reinforced how big of a challenge this is. But number two, schematically, can you come up with anything creative that could help you? And, of course, Spencer Rattler is going to be huge in both of those things. So, sorry for the long monologue, but you asked me what my main point, takeaway was. That was kind of it. Yeah, I mean, it, it. I'm cool with that. Makes life easier on me. And, you know, that was – so I, I do my three takeaways piece on Gamecock Central every week. Generally, it's about three thoughts on – what Beamer had to say, sometimes I expand it out if nothing's, like, just catching my attention. Like, last week it was about one of the little segments of my three takeaways was, hey, don't worry what the depth chart that they released on Monday says. 
here are some guys that could play more this week. So for this week, there wasn't really a ton with Beamer that, that caught my attention. I was like, let me wait and see what the coordinators say. Maybe something will grab my eye. And I actually found myself kind of intrigued by a lot of what Dow Loggins was saying. Uh, first of all, again, this is not a win the press conference show. We've seen enough ball where the press conference means very little, right? Like it's not, it's not a big factor. However, I do think uh, if you're a Gamecock fan, we said this last week, you got to be thinking that this guy's kind of a, a breath of fresh air for you. Like he does say interesting things. He says thoughtful things. And you may not learn who the backup left tackle is or when Tree Babalade is going in the game this week, but you will learn some things about the game of football along the way. I didn't have a deep enough dive. Um, into what Georgia does defensively from a schematic standpoint to realize that they are at the point where they're just throwing the kitchen sink at you on top of being just fantastic from a talent standpoint. We've seen, you know, some some of South Carolina's best defenses in their history. They were more about, all right, we know we have talent. Let's rush for, let's just lock in on what we do and do it very, very well. Um, and, and that's who we're going to be. Other schools, other coaches, other philosophies, however you want to say it. Look at Brent Venables when he was at Clemson. This guy was loaded with talent, but he's still, you know, and, and his defenses would bust from time to time, but they would also make big play after big play because he said, I'm going to take my talent advantage and I'm just going to turn these guys loose. And so obviously, Kirby is a Saban disciple. Obviously, Will Muschamp is a Saban disciple. But everybody, when they sort of branch out on their own, kind of puts their own spin on things. This defense does feel like a extension of Kirby Smart's personality. They always play aggressively. They always sort of play like somehow they have built up kind of the Michael Jordan thing. Like they've built up a mindset of, um, I mean, we saw it with this Tonka absolute crap storyline about Tonka Hemingway insulted the Georgia fan base, which is the most made-up, fabricated, <laughs> nothing we should ever even be talking about thing I've ever heard. But point being, doesn't doesn't the Georgia defense play a little – like they play with their hair on fire, like they're – oh, this person talked about my mama or something. Like, they oh, have yeah. that mindset. So, um, you know, ultimately, and we'll, we'll get into the preview later this week, but I, I just thought there was obviously a lot of respect from Dow Loggins. I'm sure as a competitor, a guy that's been in the NFL, he probably has the juices flowing a little bit about trying to figure out a way to provide something to counteract everything they're going to do, you know, and I, I think he's going to put it again on Spencer Rattler's shoulders to go out there and, you know, maybe you can combat some of these things by changing things at the line of scrimmage and having a quarterback who you're allowing to be a coach on the field. However, all everything we're going to talk about, far easier said than done as far as actually going and doing it against such a talented group. 
Well, and so for Loggins, his job is is obviously difficult this week. Remember, we had Spencer Rattler on Monday, Wes. He said his job's not that hard with all these guys he's got. But, th- but this week, in all seriousness, he does have a hard job as an offensive coordinator. And uh, it's, it's probably the most difficult this week that it will probably be most of the season. You know, arguably, this is the toughest defense that you'll see all season in this tough of an environment. And so, Wes, this week, the reason that it's more it's, – it's very difficult, yes, because of Georgia's talent, Georgia's scheme, but practically what does that mean for an offense and specifically for an offensive coordinator? Well, it now means that you're walking the line between trying – you know, understanding that your team is going to have to execute some basic concepts and execute those concepts better than they have the first two weeks, but also recognizing – that against this defense, against this defense's talent level, to be frank, Wes, it's going to be hard to line up and just say, here's a screen pass to the perimeter. We're going to gain seven yards a pop. Here's our inside zone run, right? You you are in a position where you are going to have to do those things better at some point, but also you are going to have to manufacture more in this game. So how do you go about doing that? Do you manufacture it? by, you know, calling more deep shots. I think, Wes, it, if you're going to spring a huge upset, you got to hit some explosive plays. This isn't an, a defense you're going to go up and down the field and say, all right, we're going to put together five 75-yard drives. The chances of that are, are pretty small, in my opinion, from my seat. So you're going to need some explosive plays, whether it's chunk plays that are getting you down in the red zone, whether it's an outright scoring play. You got to find a way to manufacture those the flip side of that is those are tough to manufacture, you know, against a really good defense. So, um, I mean, heck, Wes, look at that game, you know, the 2019 game. Two different teams, of course, different, completely different coaching staff for South Carolina. But you hit one explosive play, Halinski to Brian Edwards. You got a bunch of turnovers. Some weird things happened. You just kind of hung in there. I don't think this is a game, you know, for Dowell Loggins, you – Again, to go back to the main point at the beginning, you're going to have to walk that line between how are we going to execute some base concepts, try to do those well, and then how are we going to schematically do some things um, to try to beat Georgia, to try to get them out of sorts on a defense is very tough to make out of sorts. Yeah, man. And we, uh, so we'll talk about Clayton White here in a second and, and Carson Beck and sort of defending these guys. A little bit of an unknown at quarterback, I feel like, for Georgia. Not that it's a negative necessarily, but just literally an unknown. The guys have not played a ton of ball. And, you know, I, I think this entire conversation, though, kind of to me rallies around the point of can you make anything we're talking about matter? Like if you're South Carolina, you want to keep this thing tight enough. Like any of these storylines we talk about, Chris, were out the door by, what, the second quarter last year? First, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, like it, it was, it was the, it was the biggest margin of victory in South Carolina Georgia um, matchup history. So, you know, nothing we're talking about at that point matters anymore. Carson Beck has not had to drive Georgia down in a score or lose situation. If you're South Carolina, can you put him in 
the spot to to do that. Um, you know, I, I was on with the Dogs HQ guys a second ago, and we were talking through kind of the quarterback battle. I framed it up like this. From a South Carolina perspective, you have to block at least well enough that it matters that Spencer Rattler is an elite quarterback and has been playing like it for two weeks. If you're the South Carolina defense, though, you have to play well enough up front to make it matter that Carson Beck has not had to put a game on his shoulders because, you know, I I give South Carolina the edge at quarterback based on what we've seen the two guys do so far. But if you don't protect Rattler and Georgia is able to run the football on offense when they have the ball, make easy throws, just sort of let him manage the game, then it doesn't matter that you have the advantage at quarterback. So I, I think the key for the two fronts for Carolina, offensive line, then defensive line and linebackers. Hang in there enough that the quarterback battle matters. Well, and I I think, Wes, I put even more pressure, more onus on Carolina's offensive line, right? Like, the defensive line, you still give the edge, in my opinion, to Georgia's O-line. Those guys are massive. They have a lot of experience. But, of course, they have a lot of offensive weapons around them, and Carson Beck, course has a lot of arm talent and is a good player I think albeit somewhat unproven as you just pointed out but as we talk this through you could easily see a situation to your point about it not mattering that Spencer Rattler is an elite quarterback or even if he's having a good game quote-unquote he had a good game against North Carolina all things considered but South Carolina still didn't win they still just scored 17 points he still got sacked nine times so it's very easy to envision a scenario like that or worse. Uh, was it Loggins or Clayton White today? That I think it was Loggins who talked about the game very quickly being lopsided like it was last year. He didn't draw that parallel, but I am. It can get lopsided in a hurry against a team like this. You know, look at the North Carolina game, playing an elite quarterback in Drake May, you're playing a North Carolina team that has talent on offense. And you even got the ball, you stole three possessions from them, two turnovers and an onside kick. What was the biggest difference? You could not protect the quarterback all game, and you couldn't run the ball because you got beat so badly up front. So, again, is it some stretch to say, man, Georgia's front seven could end up dominating this game? Not a stretch at all, right? But if you're South Carolina, you have to find a way to combat that. That's just playing better from week to week, week one to week two to week three. That's schematically doing some things to help the offensive line, to help your tight ends, to help your quarterback getting the ball out. That's loosening things up with some chunk plays. It's running the ball better, right? All these things easier said than done, but nonetheless, that is kind of the path, the narrow path uh, that you find yourself on. So you're absolutely right in that it's got to matter that you've got number seven back there. He kept them in the game against UNC, but you're not just trying to stay in the game. You're trying to go and win a football game and pick a big upset. So if you're Carolina, you got to find a way uh, to really accentuate his talent, make his talent matter in this one. Yeah, and uh, so Georgia, we'll, we'll probably give another update on this on Friday. Um, we're, we're actually, guess what? We are, I know I promised last week, I did not come through for y'all. 
So I have already locked it in for this week. We're going to have uh, Palmer Thoms from Dogs HQ join us for the Friday show to help preview Georgia. Georgia dealing with some of the exact same things South Carolina is right now on an injury front where you just have some guys who are banged up. They're waiting to see if they can play on Saturday. And uh, a big one for them, Javon Bullard, you know, in their secondary. That could be an area um, that South Carolina could potentially exploit. Again, going back to the offensive line. Can they hang in there enough to let Rattler do what he does? Which gets me to my next point, the wide receivers for South Carolina. Obviously, we know what Xavier Leggett has done. We'll see Amarian Brown's status for this weekend. I think Eddie Lewis has showed he can sub in just fine in the slot position. You look at uh, look Doty's played very well there. But did you pay attention to Dow Loggins today talking about Juice Wells? And um, there was a little bit, and he had just finished giving one of the longest, most detailed praises of Xavier Leggett uh, that you will ever hear. Um, so in no way is this him pitting, you know, who's better, Leggett or well. This is not that. But you did notice he was point. He was quick to point out, let's not forget about number three. Let's not forget about the resume. Let's not forget about what Juice did for this team and program stepping up last season. So I I go back to what I said, I think it was earlier this week. If Carolina can get all their receivers healthy and on the same page at once and full go, they're going to give a lot of secondaries trouble this year in terms of physically how do you cover them, schematically how do you choose to cover them and then it goes ultimately the conversation goes back to the offensive line but I don't want to talk about that for an hour so <laughs> can you find some mismatches with this group if you're Dow Loggins you're probably saying I, I don't know if there's anywhere on the field where I have a true advantage because Georgia just recruits so well across the board but if there is one it's my QB and it's these wide receivers against at least a potentially banged up, although still healthy, no disrespect, don't want to create another Kirby question, um, a potentially banged up Georgia secondary. That That's where I'm circling and saying, I got a chance. Well, and that's why – so let's go ahead and establish this. We're, we're 22 minutes in, Wes. Everything that we say offensively is provisional based on – Yes, we all know the offensive line's got to perform way better. Yes. Because we have spent lots and lots of time on the O-line. We've established that. We'll probably talk about it more on Friday because it's going to be a key to the game, I'm sure. But you're exactly right. Receivers, you got to play to your strengths. I mean, at any point, but especially in a game like this. That's why I said explosive plays are going to be so big, Wes. Um, If Rattler – has enough time to throw the football down the field. South Carolina has found some success in the explosive passing game, and that's without Juice Wells playing a role. That's really been all Xavier Leggett, Wes. But Eddie Lewis played game two. He did some good things. He had a really nice PFF grade, actually. Um, Do you continue to integrate 
Nicholas Harbor a little bit more, you know, even schematically, even decoy. Can you do some things with him? The tight ends, right? They have some guys. We'll see about a Marion Brown. You know, I think he he's a guy that could end up being very important in a game like this. But your strengths are number seven, throw into 17 and three, and your other guys. Health, the health is important. That's another thing this is all provisional on. But if you're if you're kind of taking your shot and saying, what's your best bet? It's those guys getting it done through the air and making some plays for you. That's how you're going to have to get it done. For sure. Um, happy, happy, happy saying, reality check. Gamecocks could potentially be facing a one and four or worse start to the season. Hope not, but as a possibility. I mean, yeah, but I here's the thing, guys. When you play the schedule they do, you are always one bad stretch from facing a, a terrible start to your season. That's just the way it is. Unless you are unless you're Georgia or, you know, we're even seeing Alabama, I think, take. Look how well they recruit on paper every single year. And you'd be hard-pressed to argue against the idea that you know Alabama has taken a step back from when they were at the very, very top. So um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be up and down. It's going to be a roller coaster. I still maintain, you know, South Carolina, they got their um, cracks and issues and, you know, their negative things, their potential issues, they all got exposed right off the bat by UNC. There's a lot of teams walking around right now that have not had their potential issues exposed yet. If if South Carolina had just played Furman in week one and that's all we had to go on, um, or they played Furman and then a like opponent in week two, a lot of people would be extremely excited about the potential of this team. And I'm not saying this means you're going to go beat Georgia. Like, South Carolina is a 20-plus point underdog for a reason. It is a tall task. I'm adding in more, you know, the season as a whole. Mississippi State game, can you beat them? Can you hang with Tennessee and have a chance to beat them on the road? Um, are you better than Florida? Like, this, there is a long way to go in this season. So, yeah, happy, happy, happy. One and four start. Of course, that is – we could be sitting here talking about that after five games. Or we could be sitting here realistically saying South Carolina hung in, got beat by Georgia, no shame in it, and then they beat Mississippi State at home. They're 2-2, two and two, and the entire season is ahead of them. You just don't know. But, you know, I, I think it starts, at least with this fan base, can, can you go compete? with Georgia this weekend. Like, I don't see a lot of fans sitting there saying South Carolina's going to go win this game. Much like I didn't see any Carolina fans saying you're going to go beat Kentucky or go beat Tennessee, excuse me, last year. Um, So the beauty of it is you get to find out on the field. Yeah, you do. And, look, there's no doubt that there are some questions to to answer. I think the questions that we have, Wes – after two games, particularly the UNC game, but I think even the O-line issues, the run game issues on offense that we saw in that game, they were still there, I think, in game two. They were masked somewhat because I think things did get somewhat better, but then you factor in the level of competition, and, and that does make a difference. If if they're still there, which I, I think they are, Georgia's going to expose them. They're going to expose them no matter what. Georgia exposes really, really good offensive teams. 
at times. Um, it's just about battling and seeing if you can kind of get through those things. So, yeah, there there are some warts with this team um, where there's still very much question marks, right? There are also some question marks of, you know, how good is this particular area or how good could this area be, right? So there's, I think, actually some some positive things in there too, some areas that could actually get better with some personnel tweaks or even the receiving core, right? We've seen some good things from number seven in the receiving core. That's an area, especially when you get Juice Wells back, to your point about Dowell Loggins, Wes, in his comments today, that's an area that could actually, you know, continue to improve throughout the season. So uh, we'll see. A lot of ball in front. Uh, just like the Furman game was not, you know, an abs- is not going to be an absolute representation of what this team is, neither is Georgia. You know, I think the key is to go out and compete try to play a clean football game, try to compete, try to get that one into the, you know, the second half and then see what happens. Yeah. And I think we're all a little, um, if you go back and look at a game from either side, we all almost like to forget just how close a football game can be, even when it's not even that close on the scoreboard, like North Carolina, most people watch that game and say North Carolina handily, like, they won the game. They deserve to win the game. What if South Carolina picks up the first down after the onside kick on the fourth down drop pass? Momentum is on their sideline. They go down there and score. North Carolina starts trying to force things. And next thing you know, it's a completely different ball game. The other side, what what happens if South Carolina doesn't pick up the fourth down late in the first half against Furman? that ultimately they score twice. They score twice before the end of the half and then score early in the second half. You know, what What happens if the ball that Josh Simon dropped that bounced back up to him bounces into a Furman player's hands and he returns it for a touchdown? So, you know, you can, you can what if. Like, there's a lot of little things that go into a game that determine how it plays out. And you can play the what if game in the favor of your team. We've all heard, oh man, we were five plays away last year from being undefeated. But then you can play the other game. You're five plays away from uh, winning two games. You know, like every, everybody can play that game. I don't, I don't really have a point to that rant, but um, <laughs> not even that it's a rant. But it, when you really like go back and watch a game. Think about how many times you can say what if on about three big plays, even a blowout, like even a game where you're like that team controlled the game handily. You can still circle probably five plays where you're like, ah, that goes differently. The game would have went completely different. Well, there's a, there's a few in that Furman game. I mean, you didn't even mention, I mean, what, what if the Furman player had not fallen down on the Luke Doty touchdown? What if, Xavier Leggett doesn't come down with that ball. What if uh, what if the official keeps his flag in his pocket uh, on the Xavier Leggett pass interference that got them down inside? You know, what if Leggett doesn't come down with that that other ball that was thrown into the end zone that was a touchdown? There, there's a whole bunch of them. So, I mean, even I mean, even with really good teams, even in blowouts, so it's a it's a close game. It's um. A lot of things have to go your way if you're not just heads and shoulders better than another football team. And right now, Wes, I mean, look, this season, 
you can't really point to – I mean, can you point to any games, maybe one or two? One of them's already passed, the Furman game, where South Carolina, from a talent standpoint, is just absolutely heads and shoulders better. You're going to see, you know, Furman's one. Jacksonville State is probably one. Other than that, you're either going to be at a disadvantage looking at the totality of it or pretty even with all these teams that you're going to play. And that's why Shane Beamer's talked about turnovers, you know, so much going into this year too. Wes, let me take a minute here now that we're at the midpoint of the show. Tell everybody about one of our new partners here on GC Live, and that is our buddy Trey Harrell, auto accident attorney right here in South Carolina. Told you all Monday, Wes, we saw Trey and his little girl up in Charlotte for the season opener against UNC. Awesome guy. Very helpful guy, too. Uh, Trey Harrell can help folks injured in auto accidents all over the state of South Carolina, all over Gamecock country. You can find him online, attorneyherald.com, or our guy Trey is a big social media guy, Wes. Pretty good on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and even on TikTok. You can find him at Trey Helps on all those platforms. That's at Trey Helps, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. If you've been injured in an auto accident in the Palmetto State, Obviously, unfortunate. Nobody wants to go through that. But if you do, don't go at it alone. Find an attorney who's going to fight for you, fight to get you what you deserve, fight for your rights. Find you an attorney who helps. Remember that Trey Harrell helps. That's Trey Helps on Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok, or attorneyharrell.com. We appreciate Trey Harrell helping us bring you GC Live this week. For sure. Uh, appreciate Trey. Um and, uh, yeah, awesome to see him at game day. And uh, saw lots of Gamecock fans out there, man. And I'm sure there will be a lot of them in Athens this weekend as well as South Carolina tries to pull the big old upset against the Bulldogs. Um, you know, this is a series, Chris, you and I are about the same age. For the longest time, I remember going to this game. South Carolina would always be the underdog. Most of the time. Shouldn't say always. But going back to, you know, Holtz era, Spurrier era, um, Carolina would be the underdog, but then Carolina would fight Georgia to the very end, and then lots of Gamecock upsets along the way. This was a series that was played for a stretch, depending on how you divide it out, to almost 50-50. And then you go back, obviously everybody remembers 2019 upset win of South Carolina for South Carolina in Athens. Nobody really saw that game coming either. I don't know if y'all remember the lead-in to that one. Nobody was really picking South Carolina at all. It happens. And then you look at 2020, that obviously COVID year, and they played Georgia late in the year. So that was coming after South Carolina had fired Will Muschamp. Not really much to play for if you're South Carolina. And then 21 and 22, both Georgia dominant teams in general. And Georgia did what they were supposed to do. And frankly, all credit where it's due, just dominated South Carolina in those games. So we will see what 2023 has for all of us in terms of South Carolina versus Georgia. I feel like there was one more thing, Chris, that Loggins said that caught my attention, and I am completely blanking on what it was. Maybe I should write things down like you do. But, um, okay. Freshman offensive lineman. This has been a talking point. Uh, we're back Freedom on the line. 
Oh, dang, we are. But we're, we're going to talk specifically. I feel yeah. like people kind of like talking about this. Um, yeah. And all right, so is is Travon Ball? Is he just is he officially Tro now in our? Yeah. Okay, so um, Tosin is he's Tree. Yep. And Trovon is Tro. Like we're yep. from now on Tree and Tro. I thought it was pretty. I mean, we all knew this, but it was interesting to hear Dialog and say, "Look, the first thing that stands out about those two guys." We're recruiting the right type of people, like the right type of athlete, the type of size, um, you know. And and then you look at combining here a little bit with what Beamer said and with what Balogan said. With uh, there, there's an edge with Tro Ball. Like I I noticed that myself. He's blocking a dude into the end zone after the play is over. There's some football IQ here where he's like, you know, throwing his hands up, like you know, I I didn't hit him late. Um, you know, and so then the other side with Tree, I think Tree is one of these guys who probably doesn't even know how good he is. Like he he was locking guys down, man. Um, I know it's Furman, I know blah 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 blah, I know. But just watching a guy that big as a true freshman, just move with his guy, and once they were stuck to him, they were going nowhere, and. Um, he, he hustles. He gets after it. You know, but both of these dudes are going to be starters at South Carolina. The question is when. Well, and that was the final note that I jotted down, Wes. So, great job by us being on the same page, I guess. So, the what I actually wrote down is that Dowell Loggins really left the door open for those offensive linemen to – continue playing more heck even start would that be like some shot are you going to be flabbergasted if we turn on the game on saturday and tro and tree are out there as starters you wouldn't say what is this you know it, it wouldn't be unbelievable or it, it would be also, mildly surprised mildly surprised. Were. yeah it, it would also not be a surprise at all if neither started right and they just kind of rotated into the game or one rotates here comes another one that wouldn't be a shock either. You, you can tell, and I know you you credited Dowell Loggins for kind of, Wes, before the season, before the North Carolina game, kind of cautioning about some problem areas, right? Kind of, hey, don't forget about this. Like, we're still dealing with this. He's continued to do that with the run game. He's continued to do that with the offensive line, and he really continued down that path today of saying it is, he called it a process again. And so Tro and Tree are a big part of that process. What what will their week be like? They've had two practices. They've got another on Thursday. They got to walk through. By tomorrow, they'll probably have a great idea of which direction they're going to go as far as how playing time may be situated going into the game. But I, that is what I kind of came away with: is the door is still open for them to play and maybe play more. But it doesn't seem like they've made any firm decisions. As far as that rotation, it, it still seems very much like an ongoing process. Yeah, for sure. Craig weighing in saying, uh, go down swinging with the future. The freshmen, they will have tough moments. They are the future and have the size. Yeah, you know, and I somewhat agree, Craig. I just still I, – I don't know if you – I don't know if you do that to those guys in Athens. Like, throw them both out there as starters. Would I be very tempted to play them 
Saturday in Athens? Absolutely. Do I throw them both out there in the starting lineup right off the bat? I, I don't know. I, I would have to be there at practice. I don't I don't know how many how many assignments do they miss mentally versus the older guys in practice. We don't have any of those answers. If it was close and we're just, you know, kind of, eh, then, yeah, throw the freshman out there and let's go. I do kind of feel like, and I'm the same way, Craig, especially being a recruiting guy who follows these guys in high school, I like watching the new guys play. We're all a little bit guilty of being like, just, uh, hey, let's just go with the freshman. Hey, let's just go with the freshman. <laughs> it's one of those things that sounds like a great idea until the freshmen start making mistakes, and then we're going to start complaining about the freshmen. You know, so I, I just think it's a matter of when. When are you comfortable? I have a gut feeling, just a sneaking suspicion that it's next week that we see the like where we just are like, oh, they turned the page to that. Yep. Now, in my theory, if they go with the main guys again to start next week and then they sub in Tree and or Tro and or Marky Anderson, Cocky Joe asking, is he coming back? Yes, he is probable for this week. Don't know if he will play this week. Um, you know, I I could see them getting in the game, and then if it, if it's going well, let them finish the game. Yeah. If if you need to take them out, coach them up a little bit, put them back in. That's fine too. Frankly, if South Carolina is getting blown out, I know no Gamecock fan wants to talk about that possibility. Look at last year; it, it is possible. If they're getting blown out, just play the freshman the whole rest of the way in this yep. game. You know, there's no point at that point to to not play them. Go play them. But I, I really happy, happy, happy saying let's play them regardless. See, I, I feel like everybody, when they say that, they don't completely mean it. Like, <laughs> it sounds cool until you're getting beat. You know, it's like um, – Everybody wants to play the freshman. If you let the fans pick, then all the new guys would be playing at almost every position because we haven't seen them mess up yet, right? So it's all potential at this point. But anyway, again, I don't know where I was going with that. I just think that you can tell you can tell Loggins is very intrigued by these guys. And That's it's just big. Yes, and it's just a matter of how quickly did they do they the staff think that they the players the freshmen are ready to just say just go just go play just do it well and and that's it is exciting for the future west so when you think about like right now you know south carolina's offensive line does not match up very well against a georgia's defensive line right but it, they just don't i mean they might can find some success i mean Heck, if they pull an upset, they will have found some level of success. And obviously, Gamecock fans everywhere would love that. But when you start looking down the road, you can start envisioning, and that's one reason why we love freshmen, West that are highly rated, that are really talented. You can start thinking about, okay, there's a world in three years where you'll have a junior tree babalade 
junior and seniors, you know, if you're, if you're going this season and then three more years down the road, juniors and seniors of Tree Babalade, Tro Ball, Marquis Anderson, Cam Pringle, Josiah Thompson, like those types of guys, it's easy to get excited about that because that's kind of when you look at how Georgia, to use them as an example, how they've recruited on the offensive line, that's what it's been. Blue chip after blue chip after blue chip. And South Carolina has started to amass some similar guys, um, which is which is huge. But it does leave you in a predicament of this year of those guys are still freshmen and you are trying to figure out an offensive line issue. So when do you pull that trigger? Um, I, I, I get your theory, Wes, and I think – if I had to lean one way, I would probably go there too, that this might not be the week that you see them playing 50 snaps. Now, am I going to be just shocked if it happens? No, I wouldn't be just shocked. Yeah, and I, I could see some. I could see a scenario where they split the difference. Maybe those guys are coming along at at different paces. You know, maybe one guy's in there, the other one comes along at a different rate. We, uh, you know, we'll see. There's no way to predict that, but that would be a fascinating storyline to follow. Really, if you're a Gamecock fan, you're hoping those guys keep pushing, get onto the field, and then a position where a lot of Gamecock fans after week one were kind of saying there's no hope there. Maybe you f- kind of find um, find your top five. You start to find a running game, and, you know, it kind of builds from there. I mean, if they can fix that, then all of a sudden you actually have, I think, a, an offense that's going to give a lot of teams trouble when you look at the other guys who are out there and can go make plays for you. Um, Vincent asked us earlier, I don't know if Vincent has stuck around or not. We've had several people ask us about Ryan Brubaker. And I I still, Chris, don't know if there's been an official word. I know Beamer mentioned him at some point, but the um, the short version is he's injured and um, – will not be playing soon, I think is a safe way to say it. I don't know if Beamer is actually given a exact um, answer. Somebody asked, is there any news on Vakari? Uh, no no news. He, he was actually on special teams on Saturday. I didn't notice him on special teams week one. Could have missed him, but he was he was on special teams on kickoff coverage on Saturday. So, you know, he's coming along. He's a guy. Uh, you know, he didn't get in on defense game one until, like, the very, very end. He got in, um, you know, fairly early. Judge Collier is actually the third cornerback right now. I guess Emory Floyd's probably the fourth corner. Bakari probably the fifth at this point. But he he's too athletic, too much of a playmaker for anybody to start giving up on him now. Chris, I – Vakari Swain is going to impact this football program at some point, and I would say sooner rather than later. I'm not giving up on him at cornerback yet, but if for whatever reason the corner sort of transition just didn't work, he could always play safety. He could always play wide receiver. There's always that temptation, I think, in our heads to say, what could that guy do with the ball in his hands? Man, that it's a it's a hard question with him. And um, you know, Torian Gray won that battle to start with. Will he win the war? I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, I mean, that that's the thing. He's been on the field the first two games. Um, short of playing a bigger role or becoming a starter in the first two games, that's pretty good for a freshman, right? And 
look, he's he's also played in a situation where, yeah, you've had some injuries, um, but you do have some established guys in the secondary. So not just really throwaway snaps, I don't think, either for Bakari Swain. And certainly he's got a really big upside, um, and he's someone that's going to play a key role. It might not be this season. It might not be a huge impact in year one, but he is going to get his feet wet for sure. Wes, he may still avoid a red shirt. I mean, could you see him playing in more than four games? I could. And uh, we'll see. I mean, still still a young guy. Haven't seen the impact yet of like a Jalen Kilgore, for instance. That's the thing. If, if Nicky Minwari had not gotten injured, we might not have seen much of Jalen Kilgore yet. But we have seen him because he stepped into a bigger role. We know what he can do. And uh, it seemed like the staff was pretty darn high on Vakari Swain as well as Jalen Kilgore, you know, coming into this freshman class. For sure, man. Uh, hit a couple more questions. Andrew's saying, what do you think of the rumors of sellers possibly coming in on some packages to help boost the run? Uh, do you think it will happen? Is it a good idea? Um, I mean, I don't think you want rumors out there about that being part of your game plan necessarily, but you know, frankly, we've been talking about the sellers package and, you know, do you do that for for months now? I, I mean, I think we're both in favor of it. I'm I'm not really in favor of taking seven off the field too often, but you know, here's where I am, Chris. You're gonna need, like you talked about, you're gonna need explosive plays in this game. You're gonna need to stay on the field at times, but you're you're going to really hope you can strike for at least a couple of touchdowns from deep the way South Carolina did against Furman. And the, but there are going to be times when you find yourself inside the 10 and you're going to have to execute at a very high level against Georgia. I think that's where you really worry if you're South Carolina. That's where typically your offensive line gets even more overwhelmed because they have so many guys up near the line of scrimmage. Um, there's less room to operate for your receivers. Short passes down there don't usually work either because the corners can just play so tight on you. You have to have some ability to be able to run the football. I think goal line, you have to either be able to trick people, you know, perfect play call that you still have to execute. You have to be able to fit the ball in tight windows, which we know Rattler can do, but you have to have time to do it. The third thing is, um, can you add an element that maybe gives you a slight advantage schematically? And that's where I think having a guy like Sellers, you know, at 245 pounds, who can run the football, you know, and, and I do take seven off the field in that situation because I, I want them to have to account for everybody that's on the field. So, I you know, Rattler should play 95% of the snaps, in my opinion. But – do you want something to give your opponent a little something different down near the goal line? I I say yes, 100%. And I actually would put Sellers out there pretty early in the game on a third down short situation and uh, and just give give Georgia something to to be aware of the rest of the game, I think. If you think about, Wes, I think about the, for some reason, the – a few of the series against Clemson last year popped in my head. So different team, obviously some different personnel. Um, but we saw Spencer Rattler throw an absolute rope to juice Wells on a fourth down in the back of the end zone on that. 
We saw him run in a touchdown, uh, but we also saw a pick, right? And so just kind of thinking about all the different scenarios, like with this Gamecock team, based on we know so so far, if you're down on the six-yard line, I know what I'm doing based on what we've seen, and that's I, I feel like I got to pass the ball. I don't feel like, especially against Georgia, if I'm getting three downs, I don't feel great about running it in. So I'm, I'm wanting to isolate Xavier Leggett or throw to the tight end or try to get Rattler on the run. He can throw it in tight windows, right? But with things so condensed, you're exactly right. So if you get down there and you feel like you want to run the football, you're honestly right now, based on what you have to go on, you're probably going to feel a little bit handcuffed. So that's where Lenore Sellers comes in. He's another guy you got to account for in the past because he can obviously throw the football quite well. But he's a big body who's tough to bring down, has some elusiveness, has balance. So if I have a vote, Wes, I'm all for seeing it. Um, I'm, I'm very intrigued by it. You want to keep seven on the field as much as you can. But if you're bringing in sellers to give you something in that scenario, I think you do it. And this is this whole conversation, Wes, by the way, is exactly why I've been saying, hey, you know, explosive plays are going to be big in this game not only to get down there and have an opportunity to score in the red zone, but think of the difference this game would make if you can create an actual explosive scoring play or two where you're literally walking into the end zone, running into the end zone. That's what you want to try to create against a team like this. Hard to come by, right? But one explosive play versus the idea of trying to drive 75 yards with kind of not being able to run the football, you, you can see the difference. I thought you were about to say this whole conversation is presented by one of our great sponsors, uh, the Game Time app, Chris. Uh, I got it right here. You can see it. So pretty much um, whatever it may be, football, uh, baseball, playoffs coming up. Maybe you want to check out some games before the season ends, uh, concerts as well. Anything that's involving a ticket, our friends at Game Time, can help you, uh, you know, maybe there's been a time you've been frustrated trying to buy a last minute ticket. Like I've already told everybody, I uh, I went to the World Series a couple years ago and actually did so by using the GameTime app. You can also use it online, GameTime.co. And um, last minute ticket deals, flash deals. They actually have this thing, Chris, we've not talked about this yet, called zone deals. And with zone deals, you pick the section and then game time actually gets to pick the seat. So by by not selecting your exact seat, uh, you actually get a little bit of a discount, an average of 18% off on that. They also have the game time guarantee. That means you'll get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time is going to credit you with 110% of the difference. Even better news, if you're on the fence about maybe going to South Carolina, Georgia, or South Carolina, Mississippi State, Next week, download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code Gamecocks for $20 off your first purchase. Uh, terms do apply, but again, create an account, redeem the code G A M E C O C K S for $20 off. Again, download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We have talked so much about the offense. We have not really gotten much into what Clayton White had to say today, Chris. Of course, we'll talk about Georgia's offense, South Carolina's defense, a ton on Friday as well. We're getting to the end of our show here on Wednesday. But was there anything in your notes that you underlined about what Clayton White had to say? 
didn't underline it, but I did write it. Um, so the the main t- and I really just had one Wes um, today, a little bit of a shorter talk, I think, overall from Clayton. My big takeaway was he was asked the question that's been on a lot of our minds, and that is, hey, when Nicky Minwari comes back, what does that mean for Jalen Kilgore? He's been one of the better players on this defense. He's looked really, really good, Wes. Reminds me of the, frankly, the impact that Nicky Minwari had last year, going down very early in the game. Here comes a big, talented freshman. Let's see what he can do. Hey, this guy looks really good. It's been similar. So what does it mean? Now, I think he didn't give a firm answer, but to go back to my terminology from earlier with Dow Loggins, um, he left the door open, I think. You know, he mentioned that Kilgore is probably staying in one spot, meaning safety, but he mentioned that Nick and DQ can move around. I'm intrigued by that. What does that mean with Nick? But DQ Smith, we know, can play nickel. DQ has talked about repping some at nickel. He obviously played a good bit of nickel last year before moving to safety. He's been back and forth. Could all three of those guys be on the field at the same time? That would seem to be a good combination. USC seeming to still trying to figure out the nickel spot. You think on defense, they've had a few guys work there. David Spalding's been out. Keenan Nelson Jr. got banged up against Furman. Kawan Banks has played pretty well there. But that that was my main takeaway, Wes, not just for this game, but just generally, just a general defensive point. What does it look like when Eamon Warry's healthy for Jalen Kilgore? Yeah, you know, it was actually this time last year getting ready for the Georgia game, Chris, that South Carolina um, was missing guys at Nickelback. Um, you know, I, I think Spalding got hurt the week before or two weeks before. Um Roderick, who in his career has played safety or nickel at times, um, you know, he he entered the transfer portal. And you were going into the Georgia game saying, who who is going to play nickel? And some guy named DQ Smith just moves over to nickel as a true freshman who played quarterback in high school and, um, and, and hung in there, man, and, and really did not leave that spot until you got to Tennessee week when South Carolina slid Cam Newton over to nickel and slid DQ back to safety. So, you know, DQ playing nickel, that's not even like, I feel like that's not even newsworthy at this point. Like it's, you know, if you feel like those are your best three guys, especially if Spalding is not healthy and Nicky is, makes a lot of sense, right? The intriguing thing is, like you said, the mention that Nick could play other spots. Yeah, so, that was my question. What what is the other spot? Does that does that just mean he'll he'll No, it wouldn't mean that. I don't know what it means. I mean, does he move to a different safety spot to maybe that's what Clayton meant by it. You know, because Kilgore is behind him and Warry, so maybe that just means shifting Nick to a different spot, playing Jalen at, at the spot he's currently at. Maybe. Yeah, I, I don't know. And, you know, we – some of the guys – like those – I'm trying to think. Nick – we asked Nick about this, I'm pretty sure. The two safety spots are different. Like they're not completely interchangeable. Like within the defense, you're here and you're here. So, um, you know, you have to learn two spots to play both safety spots. They're not interchangeable. But if – um so he could have meant that, but for the most part, I think the guys do kind of all learn both safety spots. A lot of them also learn nickel 
as well. So I, I think uh, – I, I don't know. I, I felt like he was being purposely a little bit vague about what that may mean. So we'll see what that works. I agree. I what agree. that looks like. Apparently, Jeremy's saying I said Cam Newton. That's very possible. I meant Cam Smith. Y'all know that. Um, did I say Cam Newton? I I I didn't catch it. So I mean, we're, our brain's on the same wavelength right now. Um, but yeah, Cam Smith, who is not Cam Newton, he uh, he uh, moved to nickel for the Tennessee and Clemson games. But Craig says yes, I did say Cam Newton. Uh, let's see, is Nick playing? No, no clue. At this point, you know, questionable game time. It's a hamstring. With those things, you always, you're always wait and see, I think. So we'll find out on game day. Let's see. Final thing, Chris, how's your taxiety going? I don't know. even know what you're speaking of. I have absolutely none. No taxiety at all. And you know why, Wes? Well, I've been in contact even since our last show. With my man Larry from Liberty Tax. All our listeners are probably like, man, you and Larry talk every day. No, not quite, but we do talk a lot. Larry has helped me out heading off my taxiety before it can even enter into my mind. Uh, my wife and I sat down with him earlier this year, had a great meeting. He has helped us a ton. Just kind of coming up with a plan for next year, planning ahead, whether you're an individual, W-2 employee, maybe you have a side hustle, maybe you're a business owner. Whatever your tax situation is, I guarantee you, he's seen it before. Very experienced, very knowledgeable, super, super helpful. I've been thrilled with the level of customer service we've gotten from Larry and the team at Liberty Tax, two locations out in Irmo, spread out, but both on St. Andrews Road. They do an outstanding job. Hit up Larry and the Liberty Tax team, 803-462-5576. And uh, if you have to play, if you have to pay estimated taxes, um, those are due in like two days. So pay them. That's all I got, Chris. What about you? Yeah, man, I, th- I think we're good. Uh, covered. No Pete Limbo. Sad violin music. Sad, sad, sad. But we'll be back on Friday and we'll have plenty more to digest. We'll have, uh, you know, just more thoughts. We might even have more O-line thoughts, Wes. We'll see. Maybe not. I'm almost hopeful that we won't. But we we probably probably will. We probably will. Um, Palmer from Dogs HQ will be on on Friday. Mike has his show Thursday. He'll do GC Live Thursday at 2. We'll have GC Live Friday at 2. Then I'm going to try to do something cool for before the sandstorm on Saturday. I'm hoping – it's going to depend on the technology. It's going to depend on Georgia's rules. But I'm hoping we're going to have a check-in with Jack from the sideline of the Georgia game pregame while South Carolina's warming up to let y'all get the atmosphere. And also, we'll have Jack give like a final, hey, is Eamon Worry running around? Who's lining up with the first-team offense uh, on the O-line? And, uh, and all those things. So, we will try to effort that for Saturday as well. So lots more content as the week goes on. Hope you all enjoyed this show. We enjoyed having you all, and hopefully you'll be here with us as we close out this South Carolina, Georgia week. For Chris, I'm Wes. Y'all have a good one. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. 
Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.